Welcome to the Picky Bastards Podcast, where three people who know very little about music try to be the best at being not very good at reviewing some. <laughs> Hello to Fran. Wow. Hi. I don't know what you just said. Um, but yeah. Hello to Matt in New yeah. York. Does that mean we're trying to be good or we're trying to be bad? We are or... trying to be good and we're not okay. succeeding. That's, that was There's my basic point. There's too many double negatives. I'm, I'm like, sorry. I'd like to say that I am succeeding. My brain can't cope. We'll see if we're succeeding in an hour, won't we? No, you're not succeeding, but I am. Oh, all right, fair enough. I'll accept that. Cool. So, um, welcome to everyone. I'm doing all right. Well, I say that. I'm massively hungover, actually, because it was my really? wife's birthday last night. Uh, so I feel like absolute death. And yeah, I may like expire on the, on the actual recording, which would be quite interesting to get a recording of one of the Picky Buster's deaths. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, all right, so today we will be discussing five new albums... Uh, and also, uh, Matt, uh, sorry, Matt, I, what am I talking about? <laughs> I will be introducing one artist I love. So the albums today are Lana Del Rey, Norman fucking Rockwell, Future Head with Powers, The Murder Capital, When I Have Fears, Rhapsody with Eve, the classic is Bruce Springsteen's Darkness on the Edge of Town, and I will be introducing FK Twigs' EP, Melissa. So we'll get started by me asking a couple of questions. Uh, first one is for Matt. Which album from this list seemed to be the longest listen? Um, for me, the longest listen was The Future Heads with Powers. Um, okay. And there's kind of a specific reason for it. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't dig this album at all. I really like The Future Heads. And so every time I listened to this, it felt like an age because I was really unimpressed um, with the album as a whole. I don't, I think if anyone's like familiar with the future heads, it's they kind of built their brand on like these really, uh, like catchy, like earworm riffs and then like a c- cacophony of backing vocals and vocal interplay. Okay. And have they got a lot of stuff? I actually don't know anything before this. How many have they got a lot of albums? Yeah. Long yeah. Time, yeah. They're, they've been going, like, they were part of the like indie heyday of the early two thousands. Okay. Um, and I think they were, they were doing it before it started to take a downturn and became a bit throwaway. They had their own unique brand of that kind of in, indie pop. Okay. Um, and I think they've kind of, they're just not doing their brand as well in this album. It just all feels a bit more throwaway. It feels a bit more grown up. But in a not interesting way. But okay. it's, I mean, it's their first like album in seven years, so if it wasn't a bit more yeah. grown up, you'd be a bit. Sort of... <laughs> well, Sounds like yeah. Something's going to defend them. Something's going to defend them. We'll see. But like thematically, uh, well, not thematically. Like just the style of music, just isn't as fun and interesting. I, I like, I get that. Like, they, like one of the reasons they stopped was for like mental health reasons, mm. and and okay. then they come back and talk about it in this album. Which is something you should do, but like I don't think you should uh, necessarily lose some of the kind of edge that you had before. Right. I think every single album I listened to before, I had a song like stuck in my head afterwards for like for good, and for good or worse. Uh, there's all, I always walked away feeling like something's implanted in my brain. Right. And this this time, I just nothing st- stuck with me. It just felt like they got old and. Uh, a bit boring <laughs> i like okay. i like some of it it just wasn't it wasn't uh as good as uh, as i've experienced them in the past okay 
Okay. Yeah. Was there so was there any standout tracks or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I feel uh, which I liked across the border and because I thought that was a bit different um, in a in a good way. Like they always had some of the more like spoken word tracks, um, and so that having one of those was cool. Um, and listen, little man, I liked as well. Um, but yeah, broadly. Um, it was just, it felt like a pale comparison to their previous cells. Okay. 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 Uh, Fran, give us your thoughts. Um, well, this is interesting straight away because I knew Matt was a fan and um, I didn't really know them at all before this. I knew the cover of Hounds of Love, the Kate Bush song, and I absolutely yeah. despised it. <laughs> so when I heard that, I was like, I'm You're a huge I'm, Kate Bush fan, gonna... isn't it? Because you were defending her. I'm not that what really it was. a Kate Bush fan. <laughs> But, no, I, I thought you didn't like her at all. They, they managed to make a song that I didn't like that much totally intolerable. So um, after hearing that, I thought, I'm never going to listen to Future. So when Matt picked these, I was a little bit pissed off, to be honest. I was hoping he'd pick something better. <laughs> but um, but this album really took me by surprise. Like I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I think the main reason I enjoyed it is it reminded me a lot of Maximo Park. Um, so yeah, maybe it's a bit derivative of that, but... I still got a lot from it. It kind of reminded me of them both musically and lyrically and also politically to, to a degree. Um, I kind of particularly enjoyed some of the politically engaged stuff on the album. Um, the tracks Good Night Out and Animus um, both seem to take a bit of a swipe at those those of us living in the liberal bubble. And I think they pulled that off pretty well. Um, I, I enjoyed that song. Listen, Little Man, which Matt just mentioned, um, Seems to be taking a real dig at those Brexit voters who cling on to the idea of empire. It was um, kind of a light, the tone they took with that song, that sort of, you know, when did we all become so small, which I thought I very much took as a, a look at our current political climate. And OK, it's, yeah. no, it's no Kate Tempest or Nadine Shah in that respect, but it, it's decent. And, and then I um, quite enjoyed some of the fun songs, like Electric Shock, um, and yeah, Mortals, the final song, is is highly irritating. It's horrible. <laughs> um, they just keep repeating the same words, and that was that took me back to that Hounds of Love um, cover. But other than that, I, I was really pleasantly surprised by this album. I really didn't expect to like it at all, and, and I, I did. So yeah, that was me. Okay. Um, I have a bit of a difficult situation with this one, because it's difficult for me to talk about it without talking about another one on the playlist. Okay. I think I'm going to have to go ahead and do that to, middle to make my yeah, comments, which go for it. of all the playlists we've had, <clears throat> like maybe 20 or so of them, maybe 24. more than 20, 24. Okay, thank you. Um, I've never seen a situation where two albums were right next to each other uh, and so uh, comparable, so much sort of in competition for the same sort of space, musical space, mm. as The Future Heads and then directly after them on our playlist, The Murder Capital. Yeah. Mm. So... To be fair, on the Future Heads, I think they had some summery sort of tone, like on songs like Good Night Out, I think it's called. Yeah, Good Night Out. Uh, some sort of fun t- tone in that. They had um, some Maximo Park references, I see what Fran's saying there. Uh, and those are, um, you know, that's a great band to be try and be like. I, I absolutely love Maximo Park. Um, they are, however, far inferior to Maximo Park. Anything, uh, in terms of this album at least, I don't know the other stuff they've done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but mostly they stood in a very poor light compared to Murder Capital, who are also an aggressive punk type pop punk band. Um, you know, a little, a little different, but a lot of overlap. 
Mm. We'll talk more about murder capital in a minute, I guess. Um, and it soon. made me feel, yeah, exactly. And it made me feel um, uh, that Future Heads couldn't, we didn't really have a chance, honestly, compared to that other album. Um, so yeah, so I, I think I'm trying to take it out, out of the context in which the playlist created for me um, and say that it was okay, but it didn't really move me. And uh, that was a lot of the, a lot of the reason was because of the other parts of the playlist. So okay, so yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's it for future heads for me. It's a fairly brief comment, but that's that's to be honest, that's where I stood with it. So uh, another question then, Fran, which album had your favourite track from this list, and was it on your favourite album? Well, you'll get to speak about the Murder Capital straight after Future Heads because my favourite track on this list was definitely Green and Blue by the Murder Capital. Um, I've been totally obsessed with this song for the last month. To start with, it was like the lar- largely the jagged guitars, the drum beat, and like the earworm, the earworm of the chorus that dragged me into it. But since you asked this question, Nick, I've I've looked into this song a little bit and read about it more, and I've fallen even more in love with it. So it was apparently written in response to one of their friends' suicides. And once I knew that, the kind of mystical lyrics around the correlate the green, the blue, the green, the blue for you, that the chorus says, that didn't make a lot of sense to me at first, but reading more into it, I think it's all about trying to like repair a connection that can't really be repaired. And the lyrics throughout it do start to make a lot of sense when you know the context. So I just thought it was really, really impressive. And this song really blew me away. Um, when it comes to the question of whether it's from my favourite album on the list, I think that in the end it is, although we'll come to one later that ran it really close for me. Um, but yeah, I love the whole sound of this album. Um, I get what Nick's saying there about the future heads and this coming next to each other because I did, usually when I set the playlist up, I try and space out the ones that might be a bit similar and there was, but there was a similarity, but you're right, like the future heads doesn't come close to this. Um, I love the whole sound of this album. I mean, we often compare bands to Joy Division. But I think that's totally unavoidable here. I think the drums, the bass, the wail of the voice, the poetry of lyrics, it's 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 very Joy Division. Um, Slow Dance 1, which is, I think, the fourth song on the album, is so Joy Division, it, it, it pretty much is Joy Division. <laughs> but um, before one of you makes the comment that it's highly, that it's derivative, I, I don't really agree. I think it's heavily influenced by Joy Division and some other bands that maybe get mentioned in a bit. But... Um, they have a sound that's their own. And yeah, it's not really worth me listing all the songs I liked because there isn't a low point on this album for me. Um, so I'd be going for a long time. But what I really liked about it as well, which was another Joy Division type thing, was the contrast of the really raucous tracks, like the opening two, which is for, for everything and more is less. And then the more brooding ones like How the Streets Adore Me Now and, and On Twisted Ground. Um, so yeah, all in all, I, I absolutely love this album. Uh, brilliant. Matt, jump in. What do you think? Um, I yeah. Let's start off with the the whole Future Heads comparison. I yeah, I agree that it can kind of Future Heads paled in comparison. I don't think the Future Heads should be trying to do this kind of music. They should be shinier, and that's why the ah. their their uh, comparison is so stark. And they were a bit um, shinier, weren't they? To be fair, that's, I mean, I, I oh, think yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the one should... who drew the comparison, but I, I do see there is a little difference in the way they're trying to be a bit more, uh, slightly more yeah, pop, aren't they? Yeah, but it's, yeah. But, and, and yeah, Murder Capital. Uh, I, I I like this album, but I do think um, uh, it was a bit uneven. Uh, like, this, this style of music generally really appeals to me, anything post-punk or post-punk revival. And, and for some reason, this most of it, like... I felt good about, but it didn't quite click to be 
like the album for me. Um, mm. I think to me, it it felt like uh, it was it felt super energetic and vital, but also it felt like um, the album. I'm I know you were trying to head head off the whole derivative thing. Mm. It didn't feel <laughs> it didn't feel derivative. So defensive, Joy isn't it? <laughs> like um, it felt one like. As it's definitely felt like a, a step removed from Joy Division. To me, it felt derivative more of post-punk, like the revival of okay. 2000s and stuff. It felt very like um, a lot of the bands like, say, Interpol and things like that, um, mm. where they're taking their influences not necessarily directly, um, but also from Joy Division. Some of the tracks are undeniably... Yeah, and those bands, Interpol, I mean, when I first started listening to Interpol, it was obviously I would be saying the same thing about the Joy Division comparison, so I can get that, yeah. Um, Yeah, and yeah, it just felt like two two steps down the line, and at this point we had such a big revival, like 10 years ago, it just felt like, oh, we're doing this again. But I do feel like we are doing it again, and I feel, but I feel like we're, in, I feel like this type of music is in a really good place at the minute. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I agree. Think there's a I agree. Of really um, good sort of post punk coming out in the last couple of years, and it's it's quite exciting for me. I think maybe I I liked Interpol, but I didn't really get into the revival as much in that time as you. I know you what? did, so maybe yeah, that's, they, um, they were. I feel like they were American bands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's always better when they're they're local yeah um but yeah i like i agree that the music seems super good place like i but i'd rather go and listen to something like fontaine's dc right or go and listen to girls than listen to this it's a tough one i think i prefer this to fontaine's dc as much as fontaine's dc i think that's a big statement i think it's more consistent from you i think it's more consistent i think it's um yeah i I think i do come I think I need to give it some time so I can totally commit to that sentence. But yeah, there's no song yeah. on Fontaine's that I love as much as I love Green and Blue. I'll say that. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, you done, Matt? Yeah. You could cover yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. What do you reckon? Um, so I'll just pick up on the derivative stuff. Actually, I, again, yeah, Fran is just totally paranoid. <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to say they were that derivative of anything really, but I, I would say that the Joy Division reference, I see it. And yeah, I, I don't think they're as um, tightly. Uh, I mean, Joy Division are actually a pop band in, in a certain on a certain level because they mm. write like four minute songs versus chorus songs, you know, like bridge yeah. versus chorus, you know. So that's um, uh, something that this band are a lot more willing to do things that are lengthier, kind of uh, evolve a bit more. I feel like, but anyway, that's 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 by the by. I, I, basically, if I start with the negatives from my point of view. Um, I think the album errs towards the melodramatic at times. Uh, mm, there are have some you seen moments... it perform live? I haven't. Known. Yeah, you might. Yeah, you might think that even more when you right. see it perform live. Well, I am going to go and see it perform live. Actually, yeah, this, this guy and I got a ticket for. Um, yeah, you're not Can going. I have it, please, because it's sold out. <laughs> oh no, this guy I know from from a yeah friend of my what? son's is son's uh, friend. Right, I'm not parent. talking for the rest of this. Podcast, <laughs> That's going to be a bonus for all of us then. Um, yeah, so no, it's it's. Um, uh, it is a bit melodramatic at times, and that can be slightly off-putting. Um, but in general, that's a very small criticism. Um, I love the tone of this, the pacing, the kind of darkness of it overall. Uh, the times they're willing to sort of build an idea uh, over time, like with some of the longer songs. Like, uh, well, I personally would have picked out "On Twisted Ground" as my oh, my cool. favourite song, which is over six minutes, isn't it? So mm-hmm. um, they've got the Green and Blues also over six minutes. I noticed. Yeah, so they've got some some good like time to sort of let the songs breathe, which I think is great. 
In terms of influences, actually, I would have picked out two other bands than Interpol or Joy Division or any of those, which is New Model Army. Um, I think they sound a lot like New Model Army. I don't um, know them. Okay, so they're, they're like a, you know, Levelers, though. Yeah. Yeah, so they were just in that same school. They're older than Levelers, but doing okay. the same kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I know the name. Slightly yeah. heavier than I've Levelers, but that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and there's a band from the 90s as well that sounded a hell of a lot like called Smash. Uh, who okay. only did I think one album but I used to be really into it it's, it's crazily fast and energetic but uh, the vocals sound very similar I, I actually was wondering if it was the same vocalist but it, honestly it's too long ago that album came out he's probably yeah, he's a pensioner by now in his yeah. early 20s so <laughs> exactly yeah. unless he was like a baby when he did Smash album <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, I'm just old, all right? We get that point through every single time. Um, so, no, I, I really, old, really loved it. I really, really loved it. Um, I thought it was, apart from this minor thing about it sometimes being slightly overblown, I thought it was... Um, I love Slow Dance 2. Yeah. Uh, I love Twisted Ground, as I said. Green and Blue is great. So, yeah, it's very consistently engaging uh, and uh, an exciting kind of listen, you know. Mm. So, yeah, it was it was really thrilling. And, and Fontaine's DC Association is... I also... I probably would lean towards this band over them, but they're, they're great as well. Well, the so, interesting yeah. thing as well is they both came to my attention because they supported Idols. So Idols have kind of bought these, both these bands wow. out and Idols, nice. you know, they've, they've supported and then the Idols supporters have got behind these bands as well so i think that's i think that's where idols have started this like yeah revival and and it's bringing some fascinating bands through i think so yeah yeah it's a good time yeah absolutely absolutely okay so um we've got uh, three left of the main list uh who wants to talk about uh their favorite of those remaining three how about uh matt why don't you go for that um you've got three okay, left to my choose favorite from. of the three is probably um the Springsteen album. Oh, okay. All right. Let's yeah. talk about the classic then. Yeah, that wow. sounds good. Um, I don't. Yeah, I, I have, have don't really know Bruce Springsteen that well. Okay. Um, I heard come up some of his big bigger tracks, um, and a couple of them are on this album. But um, for me, this was like dictionary definition stadium rock. Um, yeah. It felt really. It felt big. There's like a lot going on instrumentation wise. There's a lot of different sounds coming from all over the place. Um but despite this like really big sound, I was quite impressed that it still sounded um gritty in parts. I think it's felt like it was sometimes getting close to the edge of crossing over into something being really, really cheesy, which from like for that era the there is a lot of kind of the cheesier side of stadium rock um but i think it didn't actually cross that line i think a lot of the time it just trod that line finally the line's in um, a very different place to my line matt <laughs> <laughs> giving everything away there um, yeah but yeah i think that the slower stuff is generally less interesting on the album but that's often the case for my taste anyway um but yeah, I think it's really interesting to listen to someone who can... He can definitely... He has like a huge amount of talent. He can definitely rock out, but he can definitely make these big, um, wide, wide, widely appealing, big songs um, that aren't necessarily him just like twerking around on his guitar. Twerking? Um, <laughs> 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 um, okay, I'm actually, I quite, that now. <laughs> Thanks for that I mental quite, picture, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I quite, I really, I quite actually, I actually quite like his voice, uh, like the draw that he has. I think it's distinctive and interesting. And 
and yeah kind of the whole album it, like it isn't necessarily something that i'm gonna rush away and buy all of his stuff but um i'm also not gonna be like uh i can't listen to this which i was kind of expecting <laughs> if I'm t- to be honest right. right right so if more than anything it was a nice surprise okay Okay. That's, uh, yeah, not massive praise, but so mm-hmm. I suppose it's acceptable for a favourite album yeah. of the remaining three. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll go in it. I think um, I really have, for, for many reasons, wanted to like this album uh, a lot. I really felt like um, there were reasons why... I, I saw, for example, the documentary about Darkness on the Edge of Town that they made like a, a few years ago. I, I was watching America at the time on HBO which is like all this footage of him in the studio, like conceiving of all these complicated instrumentation ideas and stuff, which I always find fascinating. Um, I also know so many bands are so influenced. We were listening on the way over here, Fran and I, to um, Titus Andronicus's The Monitor, which is Mm. uh, like an homage to a lot of um, Bruce Springsteen's stuff. Um, And, and, you know, it's really... uh, fascinating album. And and what just definitely... That is definitely worth checking out. Um... Unfortunately, I just couldn't get it to stick somehow. I couldn't get into it in a way that it seemed emotionally connecting to me. Um, and I think really the, answers, the answer to that confusion is really that stadium rock is always going to be problematic in terms of anyone getting an emotional connection, a personal emotional connection. Maybe, maybe that's people could dispute, the three of you could dispute that on certain cases. But in general, watching something that's or certainly recorded to sound like it's um, ready for a massive audience of 50,000 or something uh, is immediately off-putting um, yeah. to me and that's really, really hard to, to struggle to fight with, really. Uh, an example of that from a production standpoint is how the pianos are handled in this album. Um, mm. They literally... They, I don't seem to know that piano is, like, not a digital instrument. I mean, you can actually play a piano softly and notes come out of it more softly. I mean, that's, is that not, <laughs> is that not obvious? <laughs> They literally bang on the fucking piano like you would not believe every single note. Like it's just they're just playing their heart hours. I'm sure they would argue uh, the band, not just Bruce, of course, and the band in his band. But um, to me, that it's just not dynamic enough to be to be engaging. It just seems like they're always turning up to eleven and just throw, putting their heart and soul into it. I suppose that's a some people would think that was an upside. But I, I want a bit more dynamics. I want a bit more range mm. in the music, and that's how I can connect to it. And I, at this point, I. I found I couldn't do so. So yeah, very very frustrating, really. I, I I've really wanted to, but I just couldn't get into it. Fran, what'd you rate? Well, my my first bullet point was just fuck me, Badlands is horrible. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's such a subtle critique. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to do a little bit like Nick did here and give a little little bit away about my feelings of one of the other albums. But after Rhapsody, which I was a fan of. Um, Badlands just killed it for me every time. I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> come on, and I'd just be like... And, and it really struggled. It was a real struggle for me to even try and get into the album after that. But And it, the album doesn't recover from that for me. I mean, Badlands is, is just the worst the worst song. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I wanted... A bit like what yeah. Nick just said, I wanted to be surprised by this. I wanted... Because I've... Springsteen's one of them that I know people who, who love him. I've always been quite intrigued by him as a character. His sort of politics are, are good. Um... I've heard a couple of songs that I like, but it, everything that I thought I wouldn't like about Springsteen, it turns out I was right. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's very macho, it's very bombastic, it's totally over the top. There's a whole ballad about racing cars, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, it's just horrible. Um, 
And then Factory rescues the album very, very slightly because it shows off his politics. Um, it's not totally macho. It shows a bit of emotion, um, but it's not enough to make me ever want to listen to anything by him ever again. Um, I'm done with Springsteen. Wow. Which is a shame. Did anyone see that, that film that was out about, I did, with, with Jill, my wife, uh, the film about the guy who's obsessed with Bruce Springsteen, the kid? No. Okay. No. I can't oh, what it's called no, now. I, he- oh, I, I heard, heard about, about it. it. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, a musical film yeah, about yeah. a guy from Luton who's obsessed yeah. with Bruce Springsteen. Um, yeah. And it was the same thing in that. Like, uh, the guy was so, like, so deeply invested in him emotionally. I just thought, mm. well, I wish I could... Re- this guy's really worth something. And I just could not get yeah. past the, the original bomb. I think whenever a, a band gets a film made about them, about someone being really obsessed with the musical, it, it's usually terrible, isn't it? I mean, Queen <laughs> have had one, Beatles have had one. I'm just slagging off all the big bands. You are, here. really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. It's just like, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're actually a good band, you don't get a film made of you. Okay. Oh, you have to scrap control. unappealing. Which is amazing. <laughs> but that's more about him, isn't it? But Or 24-hour party yeah. people. Yeah, I was about to say that as well. Yeah. <laughs> all right, there's two. But I gave three. I'm winning. Made of stone. That's not a film. It's a documentary. <laughs> you can have a documentary made about you. I didn't okay. say that. That's very good of you. Very gracious. Thanks. So yeah, Springsteen. All right. Yeah, he's not. He's not the one. Okay. Springsteen is off Fran's list. Um, that leads to then. On one. Nick, I'll start, start on one. Yeah. One, so um, I will go with with um, Rhapsody. Okay. Uh, cool. With Eve album. Um, I haven't got a ton to say about it, uh, but uh, I did like it overall. Um, I felt like uh, it was everything this year has been in the shadow of Little Sims and it's not as good as Little Sims. Uh, that seems, mm. that's very, very clear to me. <laughs> you can't it's just not. keep coming back to it. It's because not as good as Little, Little Sims, Sims is incredible. Like, Little yeah, Sims. So there's one album that you've loved this year, but it doesn't mean that it makes all of the hip-hop not as good. You well, wouldn't say that about a relative. rock album. You wouldn't spend the whole year saying it's not as good as it is. I would, actually, because I said that I spent that saying about idols for freaking ages. Well, so. you can't. You can't. I'm not allowed. No. All right, it's vetoed. Uh, I won't say that then. I'll take it all back. I feel terrible now. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I thought it had some interesting themes. She had she has a good flow. Um, some of the beats, uh, I felt, let it down a bit, honestly. It was the music mm. rather than the lyrics that let it down. The songs like um, Cleo, uh, right near the start of the album, uh, the beats are uh, not very slick, not very cool. They're kind of awkward. And sampling Genesis yeah. is <laughs> just... I just wrote down, ouch. Basically, but, yeah. I mean, that's just, just painful. I'll that's really painful. Yeah, that when we'll I guess, do when because, you get your yeah. turn, but not yeah. now. So yeah. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was um, the, the Genesis connection was was not good, uh, and but no, it, it just typified a few of the the sort of musical things behind the songs, which uh, didn't really carry through as well as I had hoped when I got into the album to start with. So, uh, and I, I think it was. Um, fairly average opinion on it overall nothing like nothing too radical I, did, I, I would possibly listen to it again uh, but it's not something I'm, I'm deeply invested in at all so and as Fran is so so keen to talk <laughs> and has so much to say I'm going to go to Matt what do you think Matt? Yeah <laughs> perfect uh, I actually feel in a similar way to you uh, Nick I thought this album had potential there were some good tracks on it I'd actually say her flow was weirdly changeable like there were some songs oh. where it was really smooth and okay. like uh in whoopee she's like really like bounces over the uh the the backing to to the song really uh nicely but then other other tracks it felt a bit more stilted and like i think that's also maybe some of the beats as well but it kind of 
killed some of the rhythm of the song, I think. Like, um, huh. Alia. And I just didn't... And, and Cleo as well. Like, apart from the Phil Collins aspect, <laughs> which I also wrote down. I was just like, oh, what a way to start the yeah. album. <laughs> you know, like, on the uh, when I did the Tupac playlist, there's, like, yeah. I think two, maybe three songs that he samples Phil Collins on and, wow. and, and Biggie has yeah, as well on a song. Like, brilliant. it's not... It's not a rare thing. In and not a good thing but either. It's, that was the nineties as well. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. We've grown. We've realised. <laughs> yeah. We've woken up now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like some of the, some of the tracks are, are really great. Um, the other thing that annoyed me was she used the like the auto tune stuff in a really unimaginative way. Okay. Um, I think we we uh, had the Kevin Abstract album, which I really liked, where the, he used oh, I think the auto tune in a super. <laughs> I know you guys weren't digging it, but I thought he was very uh, imaginative. And he just put on tune on every single part of the album. What's imaginative nah. about that? No, but he was using it um, to uh, help bend the way that the musicality of the song. We could and was, we have to extenuate about this. an album from like five <laughs> podcasts ago if you want, or we could continue but, talking about this one. But, but like this, just felt like it was like just in it. No reason, no rationale. It didn't move the song in any way um, right but yeah I like the fact she called out Kanye on his bullshit mm. that, was, that was good <laughs> yeah, yeah that was quite uh, she nice. called out an awful lot of stuff on this album which yeah. I think is uh, yeah quite important but anyway carry yeah. on that's yeah. it I think you done um, yeah pretty much yeah cool. Whoopi Oprah best songs yeah yeah okay and they're actually really, they're really good okay so yeah can I just ask before I start if either of you heard any of her previous stuff no, nope. no, nope. no. So I think you should both go and listen to the yeah. last album, Layla's Wisdom. Yeah, okay. I, I think I know Kendrick's on it, and I believe it's Kendrick produced. Um, yeah. And is she not on Kendrick? She's on some Kendrick. Yeah. yeah. And actually, I'll get to what the difference is in some of my comments, but it's a very different album to this, and I think you would both prefer it from your comments. Yeah. But please okay. do give it a I, listen because the last album's fantastic. Um, there was there's, there was definitely enough in this to make I was gonna go and have a dig. Yeah. Um, Layla's wisdom is very. It's more, um, you know, what you were saying about the uh, the dated beats, kind of the older sounding beats, which I actually see as a positive, and I'll get to that in a minute. But um, yeah, Layla's wisdom, the last album isn't like that. So please check that album out because I think you'll okay. Like it. Um, but cool. yeah, for me, this was the album that ran the murder capital closest for me. I was I only decided this morning which was my favorite of the two. <laughs> um, thematically, I think this album's perfection. Uh, I love the fact that it's a love letter to black women that she admired from the past and present and, and how a lot of the time they're not the traditional choices that you get when people are having that kind of discussion. I love that the Aaliyah's included. I love that Afini Shakur, Tupac's mum is included. I think it's really clever. Um, I love how this builds out to be a love letter to back, black America in general and a scathing attack on the prejudice in the country at the minute. Cleo, which you both slagged off, is one of my favourite tracks. Um, and also, I think it's such a strong example of what I'm talking about. I think the lyrics, um, what good is a black woman to them? Raped us in slavery, they're raping us again. Only put us on the TV if our titties jiggling. Uh, just so powerful, and it's an example of how strong lyrically she is throughout it. Just, and this whole album calls out so many parts of black culture and white culture and American culture, and I think she's really strong in that respect. Um, it's another album for me where there's so many songs I love that I can't really mention them all. But yes, Matt, Oprah is a standout for me. Um, and yeah, the Afini Shakur song, which is the last song on the album, I think, 
uses a Tupac sample as the chorus. It's dedicated to his mum. It takes on a lot of what Tupac was about and what we spoke about when I did Tupac as my why I love. Um, and he claimed, you know, his his feminist leanings and, and, you know, that side of him. He always claimed he learnt it from his mum. So it's really interesting that she, that Rhapsody dedicates this song to his mum. And I think I really love the way that song reaches out to, like, men in her community and asks some really powerful questions. Now, musically, what you guys have both said, um, I think there's a lot more old school school feel to this album than any of the previous work. It's a very old school album in terms of the beats. Um, But I think that really fits the theme and the nostalgia. Um, And, you know, yes, I can see why that could be problematic, but also I think... For this album, it really works. Uh, I I love it. Um, and for me, the last two albums have both been outstanding, and she's sort of top tier hip hop going at the minute for me. I really, really, wow, really have a lot of time for Rhapsody. Wow. Um, and That's I would great. say it's the first hip hop album this year for me that rivals Little Sims. Okay. Um, I'm not sure yet. Where Sorry, I leave. you're not allowed to put Little Sims in comparison <laughs> to this album. That's unfair. And I'm only doing it because you brought it up. I'm not sure where <laughs> I lean. Um, I need more time with this one first, but I love it. Okay. And please do listen to Layla's Wisdom, both of you. Will do. Okay. Absolutely. Um, okay, so that only leaves Lana Del Rey, Norman, Norman, Norman fucking Rockwell. Okay. It's the name of the album. So, yeah, uh, why doesn't Fran go first again? All right. All right. Talk some more, Fran. Uh, well, I haven't got to moan much today, apart from Bruce Springsteen, and I'm not going to moan now, really. Um, firstly, I think it's an exquisitely beautiful album at times. Um there's a really soulful, soulful sadness to her sound, and uh, it sound, the song, the album sounds like someone who's really sort of searching for something. Um, I think it gets pretty deep. She's more of a storyteller than I thought she would be. Love song, for example, is a great little set piece about a car journey with someone with someone you're in a relationship with but are grown distant from. Marina's apartment complex, similarly strong lyrically, tells another story about a different phase of what I think is the same relationship. I think it's one of the one of the strongest songs here. All in all, I think the album's like lyrically sprawling, but musically it's really minimal. And I think it the album both starts and ends really well. The songs I've mentioned so far are all pretty near the start, um, and then it ends with "Happiness is a butterfly and hope is a dangerous thing for a woman like me to have." And I think they're two of the other really strong songs that both sort of sum up the album's theme of sort of a kind of fucked up love story. Um, so yeah, as a as a first experience of Lana Del Rey for me, I was impressed and and a lot more so than I thought I would be. But that said, I do think it's too long. I think we could easily lose four songs here and we'd have a better album. And Venice Bitch, I was really enjoying for the first three minutes, but she ruined it by having six minutes of meandering and whooping and making weird noises. Mm-hmm. So that's a shame because that's a good song to start with. And my final point really is that as much as I did like it. I'm a bit thrown by how acclaimed she is above other artists who I think are doing similar things and sometimes better things. I think Phoebe Bridges, who I'm a big fan of, is is one that springs to mind. And there's some songs on this that sound like Daughter. And I think, I've, I, I don't know of her albums. I heard she's changed a lot throughout her career, so maybe that's why. But for this album, I think there's it's good. I did really, I was really impressed. But then there's other things by other people that are better that haven't had the same acclaim. So that throws me a little bit. But yeah, that's where I landed right i think we'll go to matt then i'll finish that conversation off go for it yeah yeah um well yeah i think she has evolved a little bit i've i haven't uh been keeping like tabs on her music super closely but i did 
like I this I remember listening when her first uh, was it, video games came out and it became a sensation. Mm. I listened to a couple of her albums since, and this one like yeah, it's an interesting evolution where she's taken a little bit of a step away from the popular aspects of her music. Uh, I find the album quite transportive. Um, like it, for me, it's the perfect album for listening on like my commute. Because mm. it just takes me out of the uh, the the subway car I'm in and puts me uh, somewhere else. Um, but when I'm not listening in an environment that's conducive to that, I found it hard to engage with mm. um, because it is so like mid tempo. It is so kind of monotone all the way through, and it's kind of the dreamy melancholy that is kind of her signature. Just sometimes just it's hard to resonate with mm. um, and yeah and I think that's kind of brings about what I was saying about there's been too many songs because I think if it was like yeah a few songs shorter yeah. that wouldn't be quite such a problem would it but I think you're right most of the time when I listened to this I was traveling and a lot of the songs are about traveling which probably helps that yeah but um, yeah for sure it's it's it is a like a, yeah like a travel like it's definitely an album with that vibe mm. I think um but yeah, I actually quite liked the ten minute track Venice Bitch. I think I think for someone who's considered to be like on the popular end of this kind of whatever genre this is. Um, <laughs> That's uh, a good question, isn't it? Yeah. Like she I think when she first came out, like she got a really hard time because she has a persona and she's a pop artist and mm. uh, like um and so seeing her actually kind of flex her musical muscle a bit more. Yeah, doing something that she wants to do that's a bit different is it's it's cool. Um, but yeah, it is it is a very long track, and the album is a very long album. Yeah, for, for something that doesn't have too many peaks and valleys. And um, so for me, yeah, I wasn't a hundred percent sold. Plus, uh, yeah, I don't like the the cover. Doing time is bad. But yeah, doing time, um, sublime song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was one that I would have taken out. I weird. Think I know what I know what songs I would take out, but it's um, that is one of them. But what I did yeah, like, and something I didn't mention, right. then was like the start of the album. I think again, with me not really knowing her, like the opening lines being uh, something along the lines of something about a man child. Goddamn man child, you fucked me so yeah. good, you nearly made me say I love you. Or something yeah, like I thought like, like it kind of took yeah. by surprise that I was expecting her to yeah. be a bit more. Gentle and, uh, and I think no, that's quite quite a nice way to start an album. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, go for it, Nick. So Matt, in, in a typical move, has uh, said something. Said um, there aren't too many peaks and troughs, <laughs> mm. which I thought was uh, is a good positive spin on on this album because <laughs> I find another word used is monotone, which I think is is a more fair representation. It's yeah, it's very very. And you talked about dreamy, the two of you, or how you like to listen to it when you want to be take, transported yeah. into a place that's like serene. And it is very lush. I, I definitely see that. Very kind of warm. Um, but it's very flat as well, I felt like. I mean, not lyrically now, just musically. Mm. It was very um, kind of sickly sweet, I suppose is the word I would use. Just kind of like all evenly um, kind of polished and shiny and, and lush. And I, that's 
something that I couldn't really get past for a lot of the time. Did, did you find that the sort of lyrical content counteracted that at all? Yeah, it did. It did. And I, th- I see what you're saying about that. And it, there was like this sense that um, she was saying things that were kind of, I mean, shocking is overstating it, but saying things that were kind of a bit more gritty than mm. just sweet love songs, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially, and that's that's interesting, I suppose, in offsetting like this grand piano ballads, you know, all mm. the way through it, you know. But um, I suppose, uh, and also, I also definitely wrote, had the sense that Venice Venice Bitch was, which is probably glancing at it, it's more than twice the length of any other song, or mm. a bit more than twice the length of any other song, was really um, lost its focus completely, really. Mm. But yeah. in general, Shame, though, it's a, one of the best songs, and it starts and to I start love the with, right? I love the line around. You, I'm your Venice bitch. I think she delivers that really well, but then yeah. she just whoops for six minutes. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I have really mixed feelings, honestly. I, you know, I think it was it was fairly clever, but it wasn't something that excited me. It was I would describe it as unsurprising a lot of the time. Um, every not lyrically again. I think the lyrics did offset things a little bit, but in general, musically, it was a little bit flat. Um, and maybe that's the persona that she's kind of. That, that Matt referred to that she's kind of nurtured over the years. I haven't really followed her music, but you, you sort of hear about her persona a lot in popular culture. And um, I've always found it to be a, a bit kind of similarly uh, not very interesting, really. <laughs> so, uh, so no, I, I didn't love it. Um, I thought it was okay. I, I, I wouldn't rule out listening to something else of hers in the future. Um, you know, I don't think she's kind of disqualified herself from that at all in my mind. But um, uh, yeah, I, I would like to see something... Uh, with a bit more, a few more peaks and troughs, as Matt would say. Yeah, <laughs> and so, I yeah. think maybe um, from what I've read and heard that like some of her previous stuff was more hip hop influenced and more. Yeah, different. yeah. So I think it's... maybe there is some of that in in. But I do think I do think it was one note to a degree. But I think that's why I think if it was a ten ten albums ten song album, that maybe wouldn't get as draining as it does. But with it being a is it fourteen sixteen. It does get too long, but yeah. I think um, I think you wouldn't. Well, I don't know if you wouldn't feel that effect as much personally, Nick. But I think people maybe wouldn't feel that effect as much if it was yeah. shorter. Yeah, I, I can see that. Mm. I mean, although yeah, yeah, I can see that. Although it doesn't, if it's one note consistent, if it's very consistent all the way through, then it needs to have some changes. But yeah, mm. I, I think you're right. There's a little bit too much going on in terms of length of it and, and mm. the number of times she she revisits these topics and stuff. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. So okay, yeah. I was I was I, I didn't hate it, but nothing I was really that moved by. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so that covers all um, the main ones. I was going to talk then a little bit about FK Twigs's uh, EP, Melissa, um, mm. and I'll sort of introduce it and then get what your thoughts are on it. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, in a, in a simple summary, Melissa is, is a totally incendiary EP. Um, I came to it through uh, LP1 and it shortlist, LP1's shortlisting for the Mercury. And uh, as usual, I don't do a ton of research about things I get into, honestly. Sometimes I'm lazy and sometimes I actually consciously don't want to to kind of uh, affect things by by those kind of issues and stuff. But um, So I'm going to talk mostly in technical terms or in, in sort of specific terms about this this specific EP. It's only five tracks. Um, probably must be the shortest playlist we've done on, on yeah, of the Wild Love stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. But it's so packed with ideas. It's so densely woven um, that I, I I find that absolutely unbelievable that she's she's managed to create this this much of a this big of a canvas of, of ideas across such a short piece of music. So it's the best thing she's done, I think, in terms of both the production and the song construction. Um, 
And I say production, using those two phrases, I say production because um, it's just about the most intentional set of songs I've ever heard. In other words, every, every tiny nuance of the sound of this EP was intentional, was not just fallen into, was not just a force of habit or, you know, let's try this. It was really thought out in an incredibly clever way, I think. Um, and I, I say, when I said earlier, song construction rather than songwriting, um, I, uh, I'm, I really mean that because I think this is one of the best examples I've ever heard of something called the concept of the studio as an instrument. I don't know if, do you, are you both familiar with that term? No, I've not heard that term. Because I used to, nope. some years ago, I used to be, um, used to try and be a studio engineer. And uh, in that time, there was a lot of discussion about this concept of studio as an instrument, which was not building songs and then taking to the recording studio to try and replicate the song you had live, but using the studio as a tool to construct things uh, from nothing. So basically okay. to build songs, not just synth sounds, but generally build things out of our processing and effects and, and you know, kind of odd shapes, uh, which the studio could allow you to do in ways that weren't real, you know? So yeah. um, I think this is one of the best examples and one of the most fascinating traits as to, is how much she does this, you know? You really can't tell, I don't think, in any of these five songs where the song was before it was recorded. Um, it's a bit like the song, I can't, the mental picture I have is that the song was written um like uh like like a table laid out and then the rug and then the, mm -hmm. the tablecloth is pulled from underneath it you know like and you don't understand how the bits that are left stand sometimes you know <laughs> how, how do they actually con constitute a song how how if she was sat there and I, I think i know the answer to this but if i was to say play play one of the songs off this album um and and you know try and ask her what that how to do that with a guitar in her hand or something um i, I don't think there's any way she could do so you know mm -hmm. if you like things songs like uh, Mother Creep, particularly, which is probably my favourite song, and the last one on the on the on the EP, um, are just built out of these really bizarre um, pieces that you don't understand where they came from. So the songs, as a result of all that, they kind of jut out at weird angles. Um, they burst into kind of momentary fury or rage just for a few seconds, and then they move away from that again. Um, they suddenly discover you suddenly discover they've lost momentum or drive and they sort of drift away just when they're about to have a crescendo, uh, which I think is just fascinating. It's so fresh. It's, it's just such a mm. riveting experience to, to go through a song where you have no idea what the next turn when on first listen, what the next turn will be. Um, so, yeah, they sound sometimes the song sounds sometimes they sound massive, sometimes they're sort of tiny um, and all the songs sit under this angelic vocal of Twigs herself. Uh, which move themselves in odd ways as well between romance and then sex, peace, violence, anger, love. I mean, there's just it's just a constant struggle of different forces, just like it is musically, which I think works really, really well. So altogether, the whole EP is really full of um, fascinating contradictions. I think that's what I would say overall. Um, but I want to make a, a big statement at the end of this um, about the EP, which is, this is not very much not just Twigs's work. Um, mm -hmm. This is the work of, like, like LP1 was, this is the work of Twigs and her producer, Arca, who uh, has done a number of albums of his own. Um, and if you are wondering how much the influence of somebody like Arca can have on a, on a product, on a, on a kind of musical product at the end... I recommend, and I did ask the two of you to do this, you listen to the new, the newest single before the album comes out mm. in a few weeks, Holy mm. Terrain, which yeah. he was not involved with. And, uh, and I don't think he was involved with anything off the new album in point of fact. Uh, and 
I have to say, I find Holy Terrain to be very, very average, like a very average sort of R&B slash hip hop song uh, with thematically and song construction wise predictable. And that's something I could never say about a, a joint Twigs Arca production. So I just want to make clear that although I, I absolutely love FK Twigs' stuff, it's the two of them that's really driven home that point to me and made mm. it made me kind of really um, obsessed with her with their music, not just her music. So I really, really hope the album will be great. I just want to say the album that's coming out very shortly. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And the cellophane single, the other one that came out, was um, was better than Holy Terrain, although, again, not as weird as a lot of the stuff that Arca has been involved with. Um, but uh, I suppose I finished off by saying either way, I suppose we'll still have Melissa. Melissa is still a remarkable achievement and something that totally blows me away still. I still find it. I still find new shapes and, and figures in it all the way through. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. So uh, what, do, what are both your thoughts? Who wants to go first, Fran? Yeah, um, some of, a lot of what you've said is really interesting because it took me some time to get into this. Um, you hated it, basically. That's what no, 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 no. <laughs> it took me some time to get into it. Um, and I think a lot of what you've just said around the sort of, um, you know, the contradictions within it and the it sort of jutting out from all over the place, which, you know, in some ways reminded me of Bjork's, from Bjork's music. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Arca's work, we work with Bjork as yeah, well, by the way, a yeah. lot. Ah, cool. And I think, um, yeah, so it took me quite a lot of time. In the end, I loved more of it than I didn't love, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it took time because, okay, the production is is interesting and what you said about Ark is interesting, but I think for me it's the enigma around the meanings of some of the songs, the meanings of what she's singing about. Um, I read an interesting thing about I'm Your Doll, which talks about... Um, how she originally wrote that song when she was much younger and as she got older and bought it for this for this EP she changed a lot of it to because it was very much a submissive song when she was younger and she turned it into a bit mm. of a you know it, it tangles with that submissive element but then it it fights against it a little bit as well so I thought that was really interesting mm. um it, so it takes a few a while to get to the more feminist messages behind some of her songs um but even though I've just looked at Amiodol for a little bit, for me that was the that was my least favourite of the five, probably. Mm. Um, probably mine as well, to be fair. But yeah, in time and glass and patron, I absolutely love. Um, in time is is in time's the one. What's the repeated refrain? Um, you've got a goddamn nerve. Yeah. Every time she delivers that, it's really powerful. Um, sort of shivers type power. Yeah. yeah. Glass and patron is interesting, and in what you talked about for the I think why it took me a long time to get into this song. Is because what you talked about songs being surprising and and the first few Jarring, times I listened to it, yeah. I thought it was my phone ringing because <laughs> it, it, it kind of rings and then it stops and then it seems to have gone uh, and yeah, then it rings yeah, and I yeah. thought, fuck, what's going on? The timings are so weird. So as it well, took me quite yeah. a bit of time to figure out what the, that that wasn't a ringtone. <laughs> and when I got past that, that was probably my actual favourite song. Um, I think okay. it's it's incredible. So yeah, but there's still. I think maybe the nature of having an EP as what you've introduced the band with has, has left me with a bit of a, a thing. I'm not entirely sure about FK Twigs yet. I really enjoyed okay. some of it. Two, two of the songs, the first two songs, actually, I wasn't as into as I was the last three. So okay. I, I haven't made a full decision on her. And then what's interesting is I thought you were getting us to look at Holy, Holy Terrain because 
you really liked it. Ah, and right. you were gonna make, and actually, no, I don't. I don't really like Holy Three. Yeah, um, I don't either. I, I couldn't really get into it. I think the video was great, um, yeah. but the song itself, I think, um, I'm not really into. So no. I thought maybe you were, if you were going to say that was you know another example of how amazing she is, I was going to have to argue with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I do, <laughs> I do agree with you. Um, so we'll see. I need to listen to more. Um, well, don't listen to the new stuff yet. Listen to LP1. Listen to LP1. Yeah. See what you think of that. Listen I mean, to LP1. The yeah, EP yeah. really, really grew on me over the month. And ev- wow. even now, still, when I'm listening to it, like I listened to it last night as I was walking to the shop, and I liked it again more than I did the previous time I liked it. So I think it's right. still growing on me. So I think right. I'll spend it's some time It's funny you say about those particular tracks, because to me, it's the first one, Figure Eight, and the last one, Mother Creep, they're the strongest tracks okay. altogether. Okay. In terms of song construction, they're just mm. so... Bizarre, and they have such furious moments. I love know, Mother Creep. Out of nowhere. The uh, way Mother Creep warms up and sort of yeah. re- rises out of nothing is mm. just so stunning. Beautiful. But yeah, I mean, I think yeah. for me, yeah, it's the the other two that you just didn't mention that I love. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt. Okay, Matt, what'd you rate? Uh, yeah, I, I already loved FKA Twigs. Um, so it was really nice to just spend some time like exclusively listening to this because I probably have just, I've kind of gone through LP1 a lot. Um, and I haven't spent as much time with this. Um, so you think, you think which one do you think is better of the two? I have interest. Oh, um, I know I, a lot more like, expansive. Well, the the like the I think the issue comes down to the the length of the format. Um, the um, this is just a bit too short. Okay. I think um, it is for, a problem, sometimes, do, isn't it? Because you'll put an album on to listen to an album, and then we, how often yeah. do you put a an EP on yeah. Um, yeah, because you want to listen to music for a while when you put music on sometimes, <laughs> yeah. don't you? So that can be a block, even though it's... I, uh, it's called repeat, people. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. affect the uh, quality <laughs> of the song, but it is, I think, an EP can... It always feels like a like a trailer to me, an EP. Yeah. Right. This didn't, because I don't know, but you know what I mean? It's yeah, kind yeah. of always like you're warming up yeah. for something rather right, than... Right. Sorry, well, I, I think this, Go ahead. No, 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 no. I think there's actually one aspect that that lends itself to this is, and um, one thing you didn't talk about uh, her with her is she's probably one of the most visually striking artists out there. Yeah. I think every video that comes out is amazing. Uh, pretty much, she yeah. has a very. I wouldn't be surprised if when she's conceiving some of these songs, she's thinking about the visual imagery to go alongside Absolutely. them as well. Mm. I know for the cellophane um, single that came out, which is I know it's not on the EP. Apparently, um, Jill follows her on Instagram and she's had like a year's worth of training wow. uh, in, in this particular dance stuff to get to get this video down. You know, she was training yeah. daily for a year to prepare for it. So, well, yeah, it's crazy. Her dancing is insane. She was and a professional dancer, so, just for everyone who yeah. don't know, before she was a singer. Yeah, she she's so, so talented. And then um, this EP has a whole visual aspect where you can just watch 20 minutes yeah. of... Uh, uh, seen that footage like from video no. okay. with, yeah there's a with, long video with piece the music for it might, well. might have helped yeah. tell me about that <laughs> <laughs> no I actually didn't want to confuse things I have okay. to say I deliberately okay. didn't want to confuse things I see what Matt's saying yeah. but yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot to hear anyway so it's an awful even think, more data if you do do a video too yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to say after listening to this you should go and yeah because it just informs the music even more I think mm. um, and yeah I was really uh, I find it really interesting that you're not the, I was wondering what point you were trying to make with the new song because okay. I felt exactly the same I kept that cryptic I, I think yeah. I think that she uh, in uh, her older stuff ha- doesn't really have any contemporaries like the closest thing of like modern artists that comes to her is maybe Grimes and Grimes is very poppy but okay. and not as inventive yeah and but the new the new track just sounds like yeah it's 
sounds like she's just like everyone else now. Yeah. Like very sad. We'll Melissa see. Maybe, maybe the album sound. will be you know a lot better. Yeah, now. maybe. The hope is that it's a single and she's releasing a single to try and get yeah things in and then they you know pull but people in. But it's it's not even that interesting. Like there's the the song itself. It like. I think the the hook with like the kind of muffled singing is cool, but yeah. like the rest of the song isn't that. There's nothing to I just, it. I agree just, with you. Yeah. yeah, I was very disappointed. Yeah, not even in like a poppy poppy aspect or an R and B. Like it's not even catchy. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I and mean, she just drops this kind of almost alien like persona that she has. Uh, which yeah, it sucks. But yeah, I was <laughs> not moving on from the yeah. sucks part though. Let's talk about the good stuff. Yeah, no, yeah I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. She's fantastic. She yeah. is. Yeah, I I hope I hope she keeps making weird, cool music. Yes, absolutely. Huh? All right. Well, that was uh, yeah, mostly in unison about it. Yeah. Just about yeah. yeah. So great. Well, uh, that covers it. I think we'll we'll just say what's coming up next time. So. Um, I didn't get to say that last episode, if people were wondering why there was a missing episode, we recorded a whole episode with our fantastic guest, Tom Burrows, and unfortunately, technical problems meant it, it was basically not recorded properly, and we couldn't, we couldn't use it, what we had. So Fingers crossed that's not happened Fingers today. crossed it's not happened today, uh, and also, thanks for that, thanks for stressing <laughs> me out any more than I already was. Um, and also, uh, Tom now. will be coming back uh, for the next episode. Uh, to make up for the missed one he's, we already did, unfortunately. So, uh, so yeah, Tom's back with three picks. Uh, his pick for the new album is African Giant, uh, Burner Boy. His classic is Silver Jew's American Water. Uh, he's doing a Why I Love playlist about St. Vincent. Uh, I will be picking JPEG Mafia's All My Heroes Are Cornballs. Fran. I'm going with One True Pairing. It's a self-titled album by one of the members of Wild Beasts. And Matt has the most ridiculously I'm, named album. Yeah. I'm going with the, the band Microwave <laughs> and with the album Death is a Warm Blanket. I can't believe there's not been another band thought of the word microwave to use for their band in the last I, 30 years. That seems weird to me. There is another band called Microwaves. Ah. So it, it took me a hot sec to find them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so those will be our six for next time. We'll welcome Tom back at that point. Um, please check out pickybs.com uh, for all the reviews and these all the other podcasts. Yeah. Uh, and also follow us yeah. on Twitter, which is... At Picky Bastards, capital P, capital B. And then also on Facebook. It's at The Picky Bastards. Okay. But we nice aren't one. the bluegrass band that are also called Picky Bastards <laughs> that some people have been tagging us to. Are you sure? Yes, we are not a bluegrass band. The, the three of us do that on the weekend. Yeah, play bluegrass band. Not yeah. a bluegrass band. No, not surprising, really, is it, given our taste? All right, then. Thanks very much. See you next time. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers.